Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Liberty listeners, welcome back for part two of my conversation with Jennifer Yen. All right, Jennifer, we're excited to move on to this second half of this um, interview where we get to pick your brain a little bit and learn more about what you've been doing, especially in the area of social media to grow Perlice and to connect Perlice with really your target customer. So, let me first just, I mean, I, I think we all know that social media is, it's its not a should you, should you not. It's something that brands really need to do. They can't really choose to not engage. And it's really a mechanism for building relationships. Um, it is, you know, the name social media is that name for a reason. And I think some of us get confused as to how we should use the platform or we're exhausted. I know I find myself on Instagram just staring at it going, well, I have nothing to say. What am I supposed to say today? But I know I need to say something. So I'd love to really pick your brain about how you've really used the various social platforms for police to really connect with your target audience. So maybe just first tell us which ones do you use? So I use uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and WeChat and Weibo. You're introducing us to some. I think there's, I mean, WeChat we know, but what's the last one? Weibo? Oh, Weibo? Is that, Weibo? It's like a Pinterest? It, no, Weibo is a Chinese platform. It's, oh, well, there you go. Yes, exactly. Because we just launched with Yume Cosmetics, which is uh, Michelle Fon's new cosmetics mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. beauty platform. So they're on that. So we we got on that. And I'm on that from years ago because okay. I have aspirations to launch Pure Lease and also um, future brands into Asia. So it was really awesome. important that we just start going in there. I mean, I don't have a ton of followers, but you know, it's still good to start it and start sure. getting comfortable with it. Sure. Okay. So, and we'll, for all you listeners, we will make sure to list all these in the, in the show notes. So you mentioned Instagram first. Is that sort of your number one? Is that your go-to platform? Instagram? Yeah. Yes. Oh, and also I use Snapchat, but not as much. Um, yes, it used to be Facebook, but now it's more Instagram. Why? I feel. I mean, I can you, guess, but I have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like you can create more beautiful images from it and it's all very systemized and clean on the interface and I lo- I like using Instagram stories. Yeah. And I and like ha- the Snapchat faces. How, yeah, <laughs> those are fun. My kids in particular like the Snapchat faces. How have you um, used Instagram stories? Like what do you use your stories to say, hey, here's what's going on behind the scenes, here's the, you know, our team in the office or at a trade show, or do you use it to show how to apply some of your um, beauty products? Like what's the go-to Instagram story message that you want to continue to send to your consumers? So I, I focus on three things when I do Instagram, all my photos are pretty consistent 
because I feel like it's the three things that are most important to me. It's my work, it's my child, and then travel. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, it's mainly because, you know, that it's, it's a choice for me to show that I'm a mom and I'm working and I think traveling is something that everyone can do. I always try to focus on things that is very accessible and attainable. And, and like today, and does that mean with those three things, does that mean you sort of rotate? You just have kind of your editorial calendar mind says, okay, I want to make sure that I've got something about my child, something about being a working mom. No, or, it's no. just all random. Like today, okay. my daughter, it was her last day of preschool. So it's parent appreciate a parent appreciation day. So I just posted a photo of um, her and then, and me and in like, oh, there's also, I like to post um, Monday motivations and mm -hmm. Wednesday wisdom. Sometimes not, I don't do it a lot, but I do. Sometimes I'll like throw in some wisdom in there. And if I see a quote that I'm inspired by or that, or sometimes literally I post Mondays because I need the motivation myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And are you posting these on your personal or on the Pure Lease um, Instagram. Oh, so, yeah. So I post on my personal, but I have my team, the, my team, uh, we have a dedicated social media manager that does, um, that does pure lease, but we're all, we all work together as a team. Sometimes I'll give them some feedback. We have a photographer okay. and then there's a videographer and designer. So we're all working together, but I, oh, for pure lease, I always say, you know what? You have to remember we are a approachable, friendly, a diverse, inclusive beauty brand. So it cannot be snobby. It cannot be, you know, polarizing. We need to be inspiring and we need to be accepting of all different kinds of women. I mean, different physical sure. attributes. Sure. Include, make sure those are included as people are looking at our quilt, that those are represented throughout. Yes, exactly. And we are obviously every, every person in here is, is a woman. So we are definitely obviously pro- women's rights and, you know, equality. I mean, that just goes without saying. <laughs> and so let me ask you a question because I'm curious. When I asked you the question about social media and Instagram, you referred to your own. Does that mean that you are building your personal platform, Instagram, we're talking about right now, um, knowing that Pure Lease consumers are checking you out as the founder and they're going to your personal Instagram? Or does that mean that this is really just for my friends and my family and people who, no, you know, so you're intentionally, you know, people are coming to you from the brand. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, I have, I have friends who are moms, they, they just follow me and they don't follow Pure Lease, you know? Sure. And so for me, I just keep my life very Gotta open. Gotta tell that story. Yeah. 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 I just keep it very open and just, I, really, truly authentic. And, you know, with, with social media, every, obviously you put things that you want people to see. Sure. And, you know, if you don't, then, you know, you don't put it up, you know, because you don't want to have any regrets. So, and, in and, and obviously you're putting on your best face and, you know, when you're traveling, like obviously when you're feeling like, oh God, I'm exhausted, you're not posting. But, uh, I do a lot of behind the scenes at work you know, on my personal Instagram to show, you know, it's, it, it's behind all the beautiful crafted images. It is a lot of work. It's not glamour. Sure. And so do you make it a, a, a habit of showing those 
scenes, maybe not necessarily of you not looking great because you want to have something that you're putting out that you're proud of, but not always dolled up, so to speak. Oh, yes, kind absolutely. Of, okay. And, and then like, you know, I'll take images of videos of boxes in our office. Like, oh, look what we're doing today. We're kidding up all these products just so people can really dive behind like, what's happening. And then when we have influencers coming to us, like, oh, this is where it all happens because they see it in our stories. Okay. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's fun, but it's not all glamorous. <laughs> so let's talk about the influencers a, a little bit. That's that's something that you've brought up several times. You've talked about um, Pure Lisa's success in um, being able to get into the hands of not only editors for magazines that sort of give it credibility, but influencers. You've said several times, like it's important for an influencer to say that they're, you know, uh, using purely. So how do you get those influencers? How do you identify? So you're talking right now to a bunch of listeners who have different companies, products and services, and they know, they know that they, they've heard the influencer, uh, the, the importance of influencer, but maybe don't really know how do I access them? And aren't they all really expensive? And how can I afford them as a young brand? So I think this is a two part question. One sure. is how do you work with them? And then two, how do you recommend that we might work with them? So the way we do is we started out, you know, luckily we, when we partner with Ipsy, they have a built-in influencer platform. So we are working with them on launching a sampling program. We mm -hmm. already, they, they bring the influencers to us and they're talking about, about us through Ipsy's platform. That's kind of how I started learning about influencers. And then what we do is when we go to a lot of these trade shows, influencers come to us and we will uh, take their information. So we can, we continue to build upon our influencer list. And when, and when we launch a certain kit or a product, like for example, we did mother's day. So we, we looked at all our influencer lists and who, who are the moms influencers? And so we sent them a mother's day kit. And we don't always go after, we, we focus on the everyday influencer that are the micro influencers and the ones who are really appreciative and the ones who already been tagging us or talking about us before mm -hmm. we even send them any products. We're so appreciative of that. And, and can I back up one second? Sure. So, um, I think Forbes has said that micro influencer is that kind of 10 to 50,000. What would you say a micro influencer is by number? I would say about 30,000. Okay. So slightly higher. And then in targeting micro influencers, not only because they've been generous and talked about your brand, but is it also that they're, they cost less? Is that part of the strategy. Well, some of them, they just are appreciative if you give them great product. In mm -hmm. fact, we hardly pay any influencers. Mm. So brands should maybe think about creating a strategy in which they identify some micro-influencers who are willing to work with them without yes. getting paid, as long as there's some sort of real trade. Like we, we have exactly. to, we're supporting women here. So we have to be able to. Exactly. Okay. I mean, I can't, like if, you know, if I received a box of beauty products and I was an influencer, I would be so happy. And I, of course I would post about it. Because you, you know, think these micro influencers are doing this on the side. They're not, it's not their main source of revenue or income rather. No, it, okay. it, because it's not, it's, it's not possible. It's not sustainable, it's not, it's at, not sustainable. At, a, at a thirty thousand number. Okay, I think I mean, that's they're helpful. doing it because they're passionate about it. 
Yeah. They blog. You know, I know some influencers that are lawyers, but they just love beauty and they blog about it. I mean, how awesome is that? You know, and they deserve to receive your products if they have followers and they're talking about your products. Sure. And when you set out sort of a social media strategy, so let's say you sit down with your, you said you had somebody who kind of, you know, runs the social media part of Pure Lease. Do you sit down and say, the goal is to get this into as many hands as possible and the conversion is from hands to eyeballs, so from influencer to potential user, they're not users yet, or do you go a little bit more deep and say, how do we ultimately get this from hands to eyeball to purchaser? How strategic is that? And, and do you even have the data to be that specific? Um, yes, there are platforms that will help you sort of migrate and navigate through influencers and their followers and if they convert. So for us, we, we sort of track like if we send out a package, are they posting mm-hmm. in – if we send out another package, are they posting? And if they're not, we sort of say, well, they're not very supportive. So maybe this is not a good relationship. Because so we'll you don't st- require that they post when you send we the don't package requ- out. No, okay. you, we never do. Uh, we just hope that they do. And But if they don't after three, two or three times, like, okay, well, um, we – we because there's a ton of great influencers and they're popping up like every day. So we just – they drop off our list. And then we focus on people who are supportive because it needs to be a supportive collaboration. Otherwise, it's not going to work. It's not going to be authentic. And I think the really good influencers are – they know that and they – and they know that their followers know that. Okay. So So even after sending something out once and they don't post, you sort of give them another shot because I think, again – as we all are listening to you and trying to navigate, like, how do we work with these influencers? It's good to have a sense of, okay, one time perhaps isn't enough. Give them another shot. Maybe they didn't need or the product or it didn't fit in with what they were talking about in that, you know, two-week, three-week period. Um, and then after that, you really have to sort of qualify, like, or should we send them a third one? And should we be looking to get this into the hands of some some new influencers and this is not paid we don't require that they that they post um but we're paying attention to who is posting and that dictates kind of the next set of people that will get product from us exactly exactly i think it's helpful just for us to have it just to have some sort of framework because it feels like the wild wild west with social media that people are creating rules as they go Um, You know, I have lots of conversations with people who are both influencers and looking for influencers. And it's like, I've got all kinds of rules or I've heard all kinds of rules and I really don't know how to play this game. So it's nice to just have, um, obviously there's, there's flexibility within what we're saying, but just to have some ground rules to begin with and to to start. Right. Because, you know, just as hard as influencers work, entrepreneurs work just as hard to create products or services or, you know, whether it's fashion or beauty, that all takes time and energy and money. And if someone's not appreciative of that, move on. You know, it's because it's not fair to the entrepreneur and it's, or the creator, and it's not fair to the influencer. Sure. And, and at the end of the day, you're not getting it to the consumer, which is what we're trying to do here. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And you know, I want us to actually say consumers are influencers too. 
Because if they're on social media, they are influencers. And, you know, consumers are another set of people that brands really, really, really need to be obsessed with and pay attention to because they're the ones who really matter as well. I, I think that I love that you just said that. And I think that's something that we've hit on a few times, not from that, from a consumer point of view, but just from a follower point of view, like pay attention to the people you already have, pay attention to the tribe that has already said, I like you. I love you. I'm here. I'm following you. I'm listening. I'm commenting. And don't, don't make it your number one goal to just always be going out and getting fresh blood. Pay attention exactly. to the people who, exactly. who are in your, yeah who are in your circle of influence already. Uh, something that you said earlier in you, it, when you were saying we really focus on being, um, you know, not being snobby on making sure that our, our images and what we say reflects an inclusive um, kind of culture around the brand. Your pricing does that too. Your pricing is very, I would say, fair and accessible. How much, and then as you tell the story of what you feature on Instagram and even who you reach out to as influencers, there's a through line between all three of those. You're really being consistent in the people you're reaching out to can afford that $20 price range, $8 for some of the masks that you have. And they, so, so it's, not only affordable, but you're putting it in the hands of people who are potential buyers, whether they're influencers or consumers. Excuse me. And then you're also um, featuring images that reflect that. And I think sometimes we forget that. We feature images that are very sexy and high-end and look very refined and polished, and yet we're trying to sell something for, you know, $10. Or conversely, we're trying to sell something very high-end and we're trying to be very accessible in our images and there's a disconnect between that. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you made sure the pricing reflected the person you wanted to go after, kind of your demographic, or if you did it in the reverse, if you said this is our demographic and therefore this needs to be our pricing? How did you get to that? Well, it was when we first started, we were higher priced. And then when the economy crashed, it just changed the mindset of so many people. You know, I, back then, 10 years ago, like I was probably, I was a millennial, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and in, when that affected me, I was like, oh my God. And I became so much more aware of finances and, and I just really believe that the world moving forward was going to have a permanent mindset of high quality. I need, I want high quality. I want value. Um, and I don't want to overpay. Like I'm conscious of, of, of what I'm doing to the environment, but also I'm conscious of what I'm spending. So we actually did a whole new pricing strategy for that. And we went back, we, re, re, we renegotiated hard with our suppliers and vendors. We never compromised on the quality. In fact, our formulas have not changed. Uh, the original seven that I launched with, they're still exactly the same. We didn't take out anything. We didn't include anything. They're exactly the same. And so... And then as we evolved, we realized that, you know, I even look at the people who buy our products because I go to the trade shows, you know, we do trade shows. It's, it's not the Fifth Avenue woman, Park Avenue woman. It's actually an everyday woman with everyday problems, just like me, busy mom, I'm working, I'm traveling. And so that's what it needed to be reflected. And a lot of the women who are actually on our 
social on our Instagram images, when we do content, they're all, we're not hiring models. We're actually using the girls who work here in our office because that is reality. And that is a reflection of real people. So that's kind of how, like how we evolved and how we came about. And the reason why I use the word, we need to be friendly and inclusive. Cause I think that growing up Chinese American, Alabama, maybe I felt in some part excluded and I didn't like that feeling. Sure. And not fitting in. So that's why when, when we, when I thought about like what our values are, like that was really important to me was to actually not have beauty be intimidating it needs to be fun, needs to be inspiring, it needs to be inclusive, and it needs to show diversity too. Yeah, I I think what's really valuable in what you're saying is that it's holistic. The pricing matches the, and and it was trial by fire, trial by error, what is, my husband would be laughing right now. He's like, you never get these things right. Trial by, trial by error. (laughs) Um, But it's informed by, I just started, I learned, I learned the mistakes we were making. I learned who our demographic really was. I learned who was naturally attracted to the brand. But then also I made sure that everything we're doing from pricing from and and packaging the brand, um, featuring these, you know, different faces on Instagram, the messaging, um, behind who we are, what our core values are, it all ends up coming through. And I think when brands really hone in on that and are able to demonstrate that core value in every fiber of the brand, I really think that's where the magic begins to happen because consumers then can really understand at a glance who you are and what you're about. And again, and it, and it comes through in... I can then repeat that story because I understand a little bit about that Pure Lease brand. I can go tell somebody about it. So now you're more able to activate, you know, a a word of mouth campaign. You're more able to entice people who can see quickly, like, I get it. I get what this brand's about. I'm that person. I think I'll try something. I'll buy something. I'll talk about them. And I think we forget that brand is not just the logo and the fonts and how pretty it looks and how much white space there is and the beautiful images. It's, it's a through line in every single piece of the brand. I, I, I 1000% agree with you. Yeah. Well, it's obvious. I think in what, in the stories that you're telling and as we're looking at your product and again, your pricing and everything that you've said that it, it has, it's, it's a well-rounded story. And as a, as a result, it's, you know, you're having the success you're having. So I have to ask you, because we never, ever let anybody go without telling us kind of their secrets of how they run their busy day. What third-party platforms or apps or I don't even care if it's something you do with pen and paper, but what things do you, that do, you do on a regular basis, day-to-day, week-to-week, that sort of make this busy life of a working mom kind of kind of work for you? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm very ritualistic in terms of, I always wake up with coffee and then I'll just take a few minutes to sort of, I already have my schedule, but like how I'm going to start my day. And I try to work out. I try to plan my workouts a few days ahead. So it happens. And I, 
my my schedule is pretty much flexible. You know, I I do come to work every day, but then when I do have my daughter, I'll come home by like five and then I'll put her to bed around nine. I'm back on emails for a few hours. And so I do use notes a lot because when I have an idea, I always write it down because you you won't remember. Sure. And I use uh, Slack to, to communicate with my team through like images or any sort of um, approvals and what else? Yeah. And, and I'm pretty much just, I'm pretty planned out, you know, like day by how, day, week by week. How far in advance do you plan things out? Is it week by week? It's, oh gosh, no. Sometimes it's months. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's a big, so being kind of on top of your schedule and being organized is a real big part of it for you. Yes. So my schedule is organized. Me personally, I wouldn't say I'm so organized. You know, um, it's like, you know, I have notes, random notes everywhere. I'm not, I like, I I aspire to be, you know, like Marie Kendo style, tidy up, but I'm not there yet. But I'm, and I just think I want to continue trying to live a minimalistic life. You know, it's like, it takes years because it's, it's habits over years and years I'm trying to undo. And so I, I think the more minimal my life is, more minimalistic my life is, I think the more organized and clear I will become. But that, that's a schedule, theme. That's yeah. a theme with you from talking about back in college and just living more simply. It's like, yeah, it, it continues absolutely. even after all these years. I love that. I love that. Let, yes. let me ask you something, Jennifer, as somebody who has, is employing a lot of women, you're, you know, working with, um, to, to help solve problems for women through your brand. Um, what do you think we can do to, as women to support each other in this entrepreneurial space that can be really difficult to navigate when you're first starting out? Like, what do you think, what do you do? What is your advice to other entrepreneurial women? How do we support each other? You know, I, I think that, I do try to make time for other other women who are entrepreneurs. Now, I know that it's impossible to make time for everybody. The way I sort of filter that is, does this woman have or girl have something going on? Like, is she being, is she serious? Mm-hmm. And if she is, I will absolutely put in the time. Um, but, you know, if she's not, then it's probably going to be wasting her time and my time. So, but I, I think that I always do my best to take a phone call or whether it's like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I do my best to try to meet up people, meet up with women for coffee. And I think being involved in women's groups, like I'm involved in visionary women. I'm on their um, circle, which is a platform that empowers women through their media, through their talks. And I'm also on the, uh, committee, the committee board for the rise of the female entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. which is an event that happens once a year. And it is sponsored and hosted by the Montgomery summit, which is mainly a a male dominated, but they have a section called female founder and just in also getting on podcast with Liberty, like just sharing information as much as possible. Maybe it's not one-on-one, but if you're on a platform like Liberty, you're getting it out. You're, you're sharing your experience to a ton of women listeners. And I think being really truthful with your story and sharing hardships, like, you know, one of the things that always bothered me when I started, you always heard about success. More and more, you're starting to hear more about failure because, oh my gosh, you know, 
fail fast, all this stuff, it's become more of an okay topic. But I think that really sharing truly your story, not only about the good times, but really your struggle, that helps women. You're helping women by telling your story. And maybe there's something in there that they can take away that can prevent them from failing or getting themselves in a, in a horrible situation. I, you know? I'm, I wish you could see me. I'm smiling wide and big because I think often, whether it's I've interviewed women at a conference or, you know, on a panel or whatever, it's like, please tell the truth. Because if you really want to empower the people who are listening, they need to know your truth. If you, you know, if somebody gave you $2 million to launch this company and successful, please tell us that somebody gave you $2 million because we're, we need to understand what we have and what we don't have and how we fill in the gap. And the way we're able to do that is when we tell each other the truth. So I so appreciate that you've both done that today and that you've highlighted that as we come to the close of your interview, Jennifer, I, I can't tell you how much, um, I appreciate your honesty. Yes. No, I, it, and we want to buy Perlice as a result. <laughs> like, there it is, oh your brand God, again. No. You're just the, the everyday girl <laughs> no. thing has come out. But I'm not letting you off the hook yet. So we always end our interviews with something we call the quick six. So I'm going to um, ask you six questions and just first thing that comes to mind. Um, do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Flex schedule. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Why Why do we even ask this anymore? <laughs> Maybe one because, person has said a little bit of both. But you know, yeah. it's, actually, you- it's actually beyond nine to five for me. But, you know, when I say flex, it's like my daughter had a graduation ceremony and yeah. it was from nine to 10. Okay, yeah. great. So I'm going to be here. And, but I woke up actually at six this morning and worked for an hour. So, you know, that's what I mean by flex schedule. Cause yes. as an entrepreneur, you're working way beyond nine to five. That's a good distinction that flex doesn't mean like part-time. It just means that you're, you could be working even more than nine to five. It's just at various hours. And whenever there are kind of moments in in a day or in, in the night sometimes. Exactly. Um, Mountains or beach, which one do you like to vacation in or on? Uh, Beach. And then do you like working from home or an office? I used to work from home for many years and I thought, oh my goodness, I'll never go into office. But now I have an office. It's, I prefer working at my office. Yeah. It kind of gets you into like a headspace that you can't always have at home. I've Yes, exactly. Um, do you like working alone or with your team? I love working with my team, but there's moments I do have to work alone. Yeah. And in those moments where you're working alone, are they sort of, are you concentrating on numbers? Are you being more visionary? Like what do you do during the alone moment? Exactly. It's, um, I'm either trying to figure out a way to solve a complicated problem mm-hmm. or, Definitely financials because, God, I have to focus on that because that's not where I'm much more of a creative person. But, you know, you have to teach yourself to become a business person. Sure. Sure. And so numbers is so critical. And that's usually when I'm by myself and I have to stay focused. And I actually create the best when I'm by myself. So what I'll do is I'll come up with ideas and concepts for a product. And it's usually by myself, but I will run it by the team. I'm like, yeah. what do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about that? Or I have two or three different ideas and we hone that down. But when we're working with teams, it's always collaborative. Like, oh, how should we say this? What should our email say this, you know, on this particular topic? And so everything is so collaborative. 
Yeah, I like that. And I, I think that's true for many entrepreneurs. The creative piece or the very focused piece tends to be, let me do that alone. And then let me have the feedback of the team, the, the collaborative sort of spirit to, to bring things to fruition. Um, I always say this is the hardest question, Thai or Mexican food? Oh my God. I love both. I just love <laughs> anything ethnic and spicy. <laughs> there you go. If you had to pick one, could you? Yes. Thai. I would okay. say Thai. Yes. I love yes. it. And then this one, this, this question is really born of, you know, the, the name of the podcast is Liberty Sessions. Our brand is Liberty. Mm -hmm. Our URL is libertyforher.com. What does it mean for you to be liberated, Jennifer? I, you know, it's, um, it means freedom. You know, I said this earlier, it means freedom to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. You know, and I always say this because I say, I say this, but I also had to work very hard to be able to say those words. Mm. You know, being liberated is being free and making your own choices. And usually that comes with having financial security of your own. And that means that women have to work, work for it and they have to work hard for it. Yeah, I, I, I like that you, you sort of back it up. Um, yes. That it, it's not, it's not just a given. Exactly. It's not just a given. Like, cause I, my daughter said that to me one time I go, honey, I'm like, you can't say that to me. She's like, it's my choice. I could do what I want. <laughs> cause she's probably heard me say that. I'm like, no, I'm like, mommy's <laughs> had to work really, really hard and long to, to be able to utter those words. I'm like, you have to do the same thing. And so like, that's what I think about being liberated and being free and make choices that liberate you. That means that you have to work for it. And cause it's, you know, I've seen enough in my life to know that sometimes I always say I'm going to bet on me and investing in yourself. I like that. We're going to, we're going to hashtag that. I'm going to bet on me. I love that. Jennifer, yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a pleasure to get to talk to you and thank you. Um, Liberty listeners. We will have all the goods that Jennifer laid out for us in the show notes. So, um, Check us out at libertyforher.com. Go to the podcast section and you'll get all that, all that good information. And Jennifer, again, a pleasure to have you. We're hoping to see you in Los Angeles really, really, really soon. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, listeners, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. <laughs>